Hello, mighty warriors of God, and welcome to MI15. Today is Saturday, August 21st, 2021, and this is day 1262 of our journey together. My name is Jackie, and welcome, welcome, welcome to you. So let's go ahead and get started. Father, we honor you, glorify you, and praise you above all others. There is no one like you. Thank you so much for being our Abba Father, for providing for us during the good and the bad times, for helping us to see the things that we need to make adjustments in and to grow in you. Help us, Father, to be remain steadfast and unmovable even in these last days, to go forth and fulfill every purpose you've given us for this season of our lives. I thank you so much, my Lord, for comforting the brokenhearted and healing the sick and blessing those who may be in financial need. I ask, Father, that you will speak today, that it be all about you and not about me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Glory to God, everybody. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Today's message is the I'm done syndrome. Uh-huh. We've all said it. I'm done. I'm through. I'm not putting up with this stuff anymore. <laughs> yep. We're going to be talking about our dear friend, Jonah, a prophet of God a mighty man of God that God used um, mightily. And uh, there got there was one point in his life, at least here in the Bible, we read one point in his life where he said, oh no, I'm done. I am not doing it. Well, God gave him an assignment and uh, he played the great escape. He's like, I'm not doing it. Uh, so let's see what happens and why he said he wouldn't do it and what God did. So we're coming out of Jonah chapter one, and I'm going to even read over to chapter three. I'm going to jump around in some verses here. It's very, They're very short chapters. Jonah chapter one, starting at verse one, it says the Lord, when the, it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amita. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because his wickedness has come up before me. A little bit about Nineveh. We were just talking about this. I was talking about, well, Rachel brought that up yesterday in our T-Zone, our last transition zone class until September and talking about the Ninevites and why, what was going on with them? Why did Jonah hate them so much? Well, let me just read it straight from my commentary because it just lays it out very well. God told Jonah to preach to Nineveh, the most important city in Assyria, the rising world power of Jonah's day. Within 50 years, Nineveh would become the capital of the vast Assyrian empire. Jonah doesn't say much about Nineveh's wickedness, but the prophet Nahum gives us more insight. Nahum says that Nineveh was guilty of evil plots against God, exploitation of the helpless, cruelty in war, idolatry, prostitution, and witchcraft. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh about 500 miles northeast of Israel to warn of judgment and to declare that the people could receive mercy and forgiveness 
if they repented. And so, by them being such a powerful, wicked city, Jonah had grown up hating the Assyrians and fearing their atrocities. His hatred was so strong that he didn't want them to receive God's mercy. And listen, when we hear about these people's sex trafficking and uh, uh, pornography against children and uh, rape, raping children and things like that, this was Nineveh. Uh, Nineveh was a very evil uh, uh, town or country and um, God yet was going to forgive them. So now that we have an idea, a little idea of how Nineveh was, verse three says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. <laughs> then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, little G. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to, to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. Let, basically, let's pull straws and see. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? They're basically saying, man, who are you? Why is this coming up on us because of you? He answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. They asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. It was so bad that Jonah was willing to die. To instead of obeying God. Many of us do the same thing. We may not see it where we're physically saying, I'm going to just die, but we're just standing firm against God saying, I'm not going to do this because it doesn't line up with my own will. Ah, <laughs> I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon us. Instead, the men did their best to roll back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. 
hey, hey, at least these men came to know the Lord, the true and living God, right? (laughs) Uh, And even in Jonah's disobedience, chapter two, I mean, let me finish verse 17. It says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights from inside the the fish. Now we're in chapter two, verse one, Jonah prayed to the Lord. His God, he said, now listen to, I'm going to give you just a few of these in chapter two of what he said. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help and he listened to my cry. So God, God is attention. Now, he says in verse seven, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. He's saying, I'm ready now, God. (laughs) I'm ready to obey. Verse 10, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. What gigantic fish has God created for you that has swallowed you up? And you're still in the belly of that well. You've not been willing yet to give up what God is trying to get you bringing to your attention. And yet you're still not doing it. Chapter 3 says, verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. He did it this time. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. That was a sign of mourning. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. <laughs> let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent, yet relent, and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw that they did, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. You see, God does not want to destroy us. He wants to get our attention. And once we yield and obey, he will back off and say, this is what I wanted. And you see, it only took one time (laughs) for the Ninevites to get it, right? Some of us, it takes over and over. 
many times because I'm one of them, right? I am. And I've learned a great lesson <laughs> many times. I'll share that with you later. Point number one, there are times when we feel justified in saying, I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. I'm not putting up with this any longer or I'm done. I'm done, son. <laughs> Simply because people are doing the right thing. Simply because sinners are doing what sinners do. Remember, the church is a hospital. It's a place for the sick to come and be healed. Who is the church? We are. We are traveling churches. We're ambassadors of God in some of the most ugliest, most disgusting places you could ever imagine, like Nineveh. <laughs> but when we say, I'm done, we're no better than the people committing the sin. We're actually worse because we know better. God says, those that know more will be held even more accountable. So when you know better, we should be doing better. But yet, we get caught up into something called our feelings. What if God said that about you or me? None of us would be saved, delivered, or set free. We must stop running from God and run to God. That is, wherever he leads us. Point number two. Also, stop speaking negative about yourself. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Take heed to what the king of Nineveh did and said, right? Remember, the, these are both, both sectors of this from one uh, 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 segment, like from uh, one spectrum to the next. So one side of it is, I'm not putting up with it. The other side of it is, I'm not good enough. You know, neither of those are good. <laughs> neither. And we can learn from this. And, and these are all based upon how we feel. It's not about how we feel. It's about obedience to God and doing what he says. So here's something we can learn. I'm not good enough. Um, here's some of the things we say. Did I, I don't know if I said this already. Also stop speaking negative about yourself. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Take heed to what the king of Nineveh did and said. Number one, he proclaimed fast. And not only did he proclaim it, he participated in it. <laughs> that is a humbling. That is a humility. And, and he said, everybody everybody's going to be a part of this, even the animals. <laughs> Secondly, everyone must call on God, not on your little G-gods that they were worshiping, idols. He says everyone must call on God. He's saying the true and living one and only God. Then third, give up evil, your evil ways and violence. Stop it. Just stop. This isn't the purge, although it sure looks like it from the, you know, I've not seen the movie, but I've seen the previews and it's just like anything goes. Anybody does what they want. That's come to an end. We need to obey God, basically is what he's saying, and stop doing evil. Fourth, he said, maybe God will change his mind, even though the king knew they were so wicked. 
And God did change his mind because the goal was not to destroy them, but to get them to open their eyes to recognize that they needed God. And they did. And they accepted God and they obeyed him. Now, I don't know for how long, (laughs) but they did hear what we're studying and reading here. You know, they yielded to God. And God had mercy and grace upon him. So begin to see you as God sees you. God sees us as his children. And once we repent, we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Once we accept the Lord as our Savior, right? So that is the goal. And oh, Jonah, read further for yourselves. They're very short chapters. God had to get his attention yet again because he just felt like he was above and beyond, head and shoulders above and beyond these evil, wicked people. He was angry at God for forgiving them. But it only took that one time for the Ninevites to understand. What about us, right? Well, I'll never forget it. Man, oh man, my husband and I have been married, oh my gosh, about, let's see, uh, it's been 40, let's see, my <laughs> 48, 48 years, I think it is. Yeah. So anyway, 47. Anyway, um, uh, we've been together that long, I should say. My oldest daughter will be 43. So we've been married uh, 44 years. So I remember, yeah, it started off really nice. You know, the honeymoon stage, right? We were both unsaved on our way to hell on a banana peel together. We were like-minded in that way. And then, you know, um, we both accepted Jesus as our Savior. And um, uh, I, I, me and the kids were in church all the time. My husband chose not to. We were going different directions in our lives Uh, We truly loved one another, but we were still going opposite directions. I was growing spiritually. He chose to be, you know, at the stage he was at and not grow spiritually. He was saved and that was key. But then it was time to grow in the Lord. And so our marriage began to suffer. And I would always say, hey, honey, we need some counseling because this is not working. Like, I don't want any counseling. And I would say, Lord, get him straight. He's not doing right. And I'll never forget one time I said that. And the Lord said, it's you. <laughs> and I really thought God was like, I'm like, I know God doesn't make mistakes, right? But I did say, Lord, are you sure? He showed me some things about myself. And I was really amazed. <laughs> He showed me some things I wasn't really amazed, y'all. But he showed me some things like uh, he said, treat your husband uh, just as well as you do others outside of your household. Yeah, you know how sometimes we could treat other people better, right, than we do our own loved ones? Yeah. He said, uh, start treating him like the man of God that you want him to be. Mm hmm. That goes back to that speaking those things that are not as though they are. Now take action and begin to see him that way. Like, okay, All right, Lord. Okay. And then he says, um, stop acting like you have to have the last word. Stop doing that. A soft answer turns away wrath. So like, okay, but Lord, he's wrong. 
That doesn't mean you have to say anything. Just don't say anything on some situations. And you'll know. And I knew. And I began to put it into practice. And then he said this one thing that really was powerful. All of it was. He said, stop coming home and telling him what the pastor said. Like, whoa, never knew that that was something that was an insult to my husband until years later, my husband told me that. It's like, you know, he don't run my household. That pastor don't run my household. And that's true. I wouldn't want him coming home telling me what somebody says. So, yeah. So I learned that. And because uh, there were many times I'm like, I'm done. And I remember making a vow that I would not get a divorce. You know, there are certain situations that you need you know, you know what God is showing you. You don't need to, God never intended for anybody to be abused physically or mentally or any of those. So you get out of that if that's not, that's not of God. Um, but this situation, no, um, God, there was, there's room for uh, improvement and, and that's what happened. And uh, things changed, got better and we began to communicate better with one another. And one day my husband said, hey, honey, are you okay? I'm like, why do you ask such a thing? And he said, because you're not acting like you have to have the last word all the time. And I was just like, cha-ching to myself. Like, oh, yeah, that just really did it for me. Like, it works when we obey <laughs> and do what God said do. Just do it, no matter how it looks on the outside or how it feels to you. And I know many of you are probably in some ugly situations at work. I used to be a mega runner from jobs that didn't treat me right. I'm out. Exit stage left. I'm not putting up with this mess. Until the last one, I had to learn, and I shared that with y'all a few days ago. But anyway, God is saying to you, to all of us, hear what he's saying obey it and do what he's called you to do and stop saying I'm done because that is rebelliousness against God. Do what God says and you don't want him, you know, he'll prepare something for you <laughs> to get your attention. I promise. Yeah, I've seen it. The word tells us. So, so repent now, give it to God, ask for forgiveness Turn away from the sin and do what God's called you to do. Now, if you don't know Jesus, oh yeah, this is your day. Also, um, accepting him as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Oh man, the angels are rejoicing because of you. <laughs> I love you all so, so much. May the Lord bless and protect you. May his face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious unto you, show you his favor, and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. And remember, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Please don't forget to check us out on our website, JackieBikesMinistries.org, J-A-C-K-I-E, Be Like Boy, U-Y-C-K-S, Ministries.org. Check out the messages and please share them with others. Also, please subscribe to our website by entering your first and last name and your email address. All right, Mighty Warriors, go forth and make it an awesome day, fulfilling the purpose that God has given you, and I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.